Welcome to Steppin' Out, the 12-step meeting on the air. Tonight you'll meet real people with true stories of addiction and recovery. And now, Steppin' Out. Hello and welcome to America's 12-step radio show. My name is Drew and this is Steppin' Out. The stories you're about to hear are real. It's a 12-step meeting on the air, so kick back, grab a cup of coffee, and listen in. Because if you ever wondered what went on inside of a 12-step meeting, you're going to find out right now. We have a room full of people and a pot full of coffee, and we're talking about gambling. And uh, a little bit about how the addiction of gambling slowly creeps into someone's life and where do they go for help. And our first guest is Paul. Paul, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, Drew. Doing very good. Welcome to the show. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit about what it was like and what it's like now? Uh, well, my name is Paul. I'm a compulsive gambler. Hey, Paul. Um, my last bet that I had to make was July the 7th of the year 2000. Okay. Uh, my life uh, revolved around gambling from the time I was a youngster. Uh, I became very fascinated with gambling, and I liked the feeling that it gave me. It, uh, and I'm talking about 11, 12 years old. What kind of stuff when you were a kid? What was um, it? Actually, uh, cards, yeah. poker, uh, Flipping uh, uh, baseball oh, like cards. baseball cards? Yeah, yeah that kind that. of stuff. Okay. I always had an aggression, though. I always wanted to be a winner. I always uh-huh. wanted to be on top of the game. And uh, so uh, I didn't know it was a problem and uh, uh, until uh, I, I progressed into my gambling. And uh, uh, I, wor- I started working in a bowling alley in Patterson, New Jersey, when I was 12 years old. And I found kids like myself who were playing poker after they got through work. And uh, I was fascinated with it. I liked, uh, again, I liked the feeling that it gave me, me a feeling of power. Small stakes kind of stuff? Small nothing? stakes. Yeah. Yeah, small stakes. Just uh, for the money I made that night, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. And uh, it, and I found after a while it wasn't about winning or losing. It was just about playing, being okay. in the action. I liked the action. I liked mm. the feeling that it gave me. And uh, it progressed. It, it, it progressed where my, my obsession or my concentration or focus was on gambling. It wasn't on school. It wasn't on being a better son or better brother. Uh, was on gambling. I, I thought about gambling. I always wanted to be in the game. When the game was over, I felt very, very alone. I felt very, very isolated. Can you describe the rush for someone who's never experienced it? Uh, gee, it, it's just it, it's a feeling. It's hard to describe. And and the and the thing with with my compulsion to gamble and, and that feeling was I didn't have to inject, inject anything to my veins. I didn't have to take a drink. It was just the thought of the game yeah. was enough to make me so feel so earnest about, you know, getting into the game. Wow. And it progressed until the point where when I was 16 years old, I quit high school at, as a sophomore uh, to gamble full-time in a bowling alley. And uh, I now know that I was on my way to a type of insanity where uh, nothing mattered, nothing mattered at all except to gamble. And uh, I didn't know I was sick. I didn't know I had a compulsion. I didn't know what that was even about. And... Uh, and it just progressed, uh, uh, and, and, and with it came some really, really bad trades. I started to lie about things. I started to lie to my parents about where I was, what kind of money I was making. There were times when my mother, we came from a poor family, and there were times she relied on my bringing home some of the money I made uh, uh, in the bowling alley, and, uh, and uh, I didn't have it. It was gone. Mm. It was gone. I lost it the night before. And I was so angry when she would, like, ask me about where's the money. And, and it was like a feeling of, uh, of uh, don't bother me. Don't, just leave me alone. Uh, and, and, and it just progressed that way. It was like a, 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 in the middle of nowhere. I had no, no goals. I had no vision. I had no, nothing. Uh, and, of course, hanging in a bowling alley, you, you, start to, uh, uh, you start to get involved with things that are not really moral. They're kind of immoral. Like what? 
Oh, lying, cursing, whatever you want to talk about. Did you ever gamble on the games? Did you ever get play? Did you ever bowl for cash? I just, oh God, I got a story about bowling you wouldn't believe. Tell I, us. Uh, I once challenged a, 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 a fellow worker at the bowling alley who was like 35 years old. I was like 17. I challenged him to bowl three games for $5. Okay. Okay. And uh, he won the first match. So we bowled uh, another three games for $20. We bowled, by the time it was over, 110 games. And the last segment of games was for $500. Wow. And I didn't have a penny. <laughs> I didn't have a cent, and I lost. And I had to turn to this man and tell him at the And my finger was, in fact, I still have a scar on my finger from that event where it was bleeding so profusely for 110 games. I was so compulsive. I, I just, I wouldn't give up, and I wanted to beat him, but I knew that he was better than me. And it's strange how that sort of became part of my life. It was always like reaching for something that I couldn't get to. And, but completely uh, driven, just always driven. Driven, 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 driven. Yeah. And then after that, I went into the Army in 1953 during the Korean War. And within two weeks uh, of basic training, uh, I reenlisted for two additional years in the Army for $1,000 and 30 days leave. And I blew that $1,000 so fast. I sold two years of my life for $1,000 to gamble. You, where did it go? I mean, what were you, what were you playing? It went in the bowling alley. It went playing knock rummy with, with guys that didn't work and who were maybe some kind of like who, who knows what they were, illegal characters, <laughs> whatever they were. I, I didn't care. I just wanted to be in the game. It was, it was almost an honor to play with these people and to give my money to them. Sure. I never had any regard for money, by the way. I know it, wasn't a, it was all about the action. I, I, I loved the action. I got lost in the action. And uh, the money really never meant anything to me. In fact, money was like toilet paper. I just needed it to gamble with. And it wasn't a matter of any value uh, for money. I didn't have it. It was for gambling. And that's the way my whole life went. It's just all about the action. All about the action. And I was sick, and I didn't know it. I truly didn't know it. I, I, four years in the United States Army, I was broke. Every payday, every payday, when I got paid, there was a dice game or a card game or some kind of action. And I would go and donate my $100 that I made that month and uh, and then be broke for the rest of the month, borrowing fives and tens. And, you know, and uh, it was really uh, like being on a merry-go-round, just never could get off the darn thing. And, uh, and it got progressively worse. It got progressively worse. Uh, I got married. I met a girl. Uh, first thing I did when I met my future wife was I lied to her. I told her I had a college education. I told her I owned a Cadillac. I didn't have a car, and I didn't finish high school. So, you know, but that's the ego of the compulsive gambler. I had to look good, you know. And, and when I told her that I had this Cadillac, I really believed it. It was like crazy. I could believe these lies that I told. It was really mind-boggling. Wow. And uh, looking back at it now, it's, uh, it, it was such a wasted life. I never had, I never had the opportunity to better myself or to be something. I wasn't stupid. But I was stupid about my life, and, and gambling just took over my life. And, um, and it got worse. It got worse after that. How uh, so? <laughs> well, I got married. And mm. uh, that's not the worst. That was good. Right. But I married a girl who I knew would work. And I knew that if she could work, she would earn income. And, and therefore, over the next seven years, from age 25 to 32, before I came to GA, Gamblers Anonymous, I, I took her for every cent she ever made. I took her. I took money from her pocketbook. I took. I took money from my children's piggy banks to gamble with. 
I, t I stole from the people I worked for. I was totally out of control, and I was careless about my life. I didn't have any concentration or focus. I was, I was addicted. What did she, I mean, what did she have to say to all this? I mean, you, I you're lied to her. She didn't care. I mean, she, I hid it. I lied to her. She had no idea. She was. She had no idea. She had no idea. No idea at all because I, I was so devious. I used to come home to, and start arguments with her, so she would throw me out of the house. I would get in the car and go to the racetrack. I see a couple of people in the room nodding. That's a perfect excuse for you to go out and do your thing. I was. Huh? I, I, there was. I had. I. I, <laughs> I. I have to remember this because it happened. It's true. I got her so mad one evening, she picked up a butcher knife and chased me out of the house. I jumped in my car, and I drove down the road, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and there she was in the middle of the road with a butcher knife, and we had two children, one and two years old, and I just forgot all about them and all about her, and I went to the racetrack. That's how all-consuming it was. Unbelievable. Paul, it got bad. It got worse. You got married. She got fleeced. What happened? Oh, well, uh... Uh, it's it's thinking back on it it was it was such a uh, it was such a crazy life because i i was a jekyll and hyde i i pretended to be a father i pretended to be a husband i pretended to be a worker but that was pretending i really only wanted to gamble i i loved the fantasy and the dream that i had i was going to make make the big win i was going to take care of everything when i made the big win that was a big lie mm. i never wanted to do anything with the money i won and i won except gamble with it because there was never enough money for me, never enough. I borrowed from loan companies. I borrowed from banks. I got a second mortgage on the house. There was so much disaster going on, and everybody thought I was okay. In fact, I had neighbors that would come to my wife and say, George, uh, Paul is such a wonderful, wonderful man. And my wife would say, well, if you lived with him for three days, you wouldn't think that. But uh, <laughs> anyhow, I, 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 I was not only fooling myself, I was trying to fool everybody else. And it was it was a hard life to live that way. It's like, really, you have to be keen and sharp and alert. Sure. You have to be careful about the uh, lies you tell because you start forgetting the lies and you tell so many lies. I was a compulsive liar. Um, they start catching up with you, huh? For me, there was not enough money for uh, for me uh, and i'm hoping that there's someone out there tonight that's listening that might be like me or like i was because there is hope there's a program i'm a member of gamblers anonymous that saved my life it's a fellowship it's people connected with the same problem and it's it's really it's my life it's my life i don't gamble i don't gamble i came to ga because of my wife's insistence, I did not want to stop gambling. I had no intention of stopping gambling. I just ran out of money. Our mortgage was five months overdue. Where it was getting foreclosed, all the loan. I used to have to come home every day 50 miles to get the mail, to get the mail, wow. so that she wouldn't see the bills and the things that weren't paid. It was like living like, a, like an animal on a merry-go-round. Did you believe at this time in your life that you... Uh didn't have a gambling problem, but had a money problem, or, or I mean, what, what, what did this, what did this equate to you? I mean, you said you, you were going to go to Gamblers Anonymous, but for what? Well, for twenty years prior to coming to Gamblers Anonymous, gambling was the answer to my life. It was mm. the answer. It wasn't that it was a problem. It was the answer. I felt incompetent in in doing just ordinary things. I felt powerful when I gambled, and I didn't know I was addicted to gambling. I came to GA, and I walked into a room in New York City in June of 1965, and there were 45 men in that room that night, and 
those men spoke and gave therapy, and they told me about my life. They told me about lying and cheating and scheming and stealing from their families. They told me about physical ailments. I had physical ailments. Tell me about the physical ailments. I had fibrillations of the heart. And when my heart would go out of whack, I would pound my chest like I was my own doctor. I had two collapsed lungs, one coming out of aqueduct racetrack, a collapsed lung. Wow. And I had $600 when I came out of the hospital. I'm out of the uh, racetrack that day, was taken to a hospital in Ridgewood, New Jersey. My wife came to the hospital and asked me if she had, if I had any money. To, she needed to buy some food. I told her I didn't have any money. That $600 was gambling money, and I knew that she was competent enough to find some money to buy food. And that's the kind of addiction that I had. It was all-consuming. It just made me into something that I really wasn't, but I definitely... But <laughs> did you know you didn't have a normal relationship with this thing at this time? Uh, I didn't even know who my wife was, actually. I, I just always said, yes, dear, whenever she said anything. I never listened to her. I never heard a word she said. Anyhow, that night, that night on June, uh, June 25th, 1965, was the most important night of my life. Because it, it woke me up to the fact that I was a compulsive gambler. I never knew who I was. I had no identity. I felt empty inside. I just gambled. But what it, was it that meant? Where did you identify? How did you know that you... They told me... These, these men that spoke that night told me about their life, and it was my life. They were telling your story. Yeah, they were telling their story. And it was my story. And it was like mind-boggling right. that there was people, other people like me. I thought I was the only one that could be like me. It's sort of like a super ego type of thing. Sure. Uh, and, and they told me some simple things that night. They said, look, stop gambling, stop lying. I had to do it their way, not my way didn't work. You know, heaven knows I took the blows, but did it my way. I'll, I'll just tell the story right off. I, um, I stopped gambling for nine years and, um, I wasn't working the program the way I should have been working the program. And I found a reason and an excuse to make a bet. And when I made that bet after nine years, it was like I never stopped. It was like insanity from the word, from the first bet I made, it was like insanity, like insanity. It was like the illness was growing while I wasn't gambling, just waiting for that moment to get loose again. And uh, What was it? What was, the, what was the bet? What grabbed you? Uh, who knows? Do you remember? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. There was something, some, some disappointment. Something didn't, something didn't go right. Uh, I didn't feel confident. Uh, I was helping a lot of people, but I wasn't helping myself. And that's, that was a big mistake. But I want to tell you about those 25 years. Uh, it ended up in divorce, the loss of my home, Oof. the loss of very good jobs, hospitalized for treatment of compulsive gambling in veterans' hospitals. Hospitalized? What do they, how do you, it's, for, for the folks who, who may not understand, like, what sort of treatment would there be when you go to a hospital for? There was a special uh, program in Brexville, Ohio, in a veterans' hospital okay. uh, for the treatment of compulsive gambling. We were in with a alcohol treatment program because they didn't really know much about compulsive gambling in that time, 1976. And um, uh, so there was like a group, of, a group of guys who were gamblers, who were veterans, and uh, we went there and we, we, we talked, we had therapy, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and I learned nothing. I learned nothing because I was back in action, and that's all I really wanted to do. What I, just to make a long story short, it took me 25 years to come back to Gamblers Anonymous. 
to come back. Wow. To come back. And now I have five years and four months of abstinence. I have freedom. I have joy in my life. I have relationships rebuilt with my family. The woman who divorced me took me back into her life. I am so blessed as a human being. I cannot even explain it to you. I'm just blessed to have this kind of life through this program again. And it never, ever abandoned me. I abandoned it. And um, so I'm very happy today. I'm sure. a very happy person. What do you want to say to the compulsive gambler who may be out there tonight that's struggling? Um, what I would like to say is look in the mirror and tell the truth and look for help. Uh, if you're a compulsive gambler, you will deny that you have a problem. So it takes a lot of beating and a lot of battering to come to the point where you're ready to stop gambling. But I would suggest anyone who thinks they may have a gambling problem to call Gamblers Anonymous. Okay, and one more time, Paul. That number is uh, in the L.A. area, 213-386-8789. You can also reach out to them online at www.gamblersanonymous.org. Once again, my name is Drew, and this is Stepping Out. <laughs>